How many are free this morning? Just thank the Lord for it this morning. Amen. Let's not settle into a routine. You know, I got up. I'm still trying to get there. But let's just jump in. Let's thank the Lord that we're free. I think they had a hockey game somewhere the other night. And I don't believe it took those people a while to get into that game. I believe they were in from the beginning. They have football games. They have what's called tailgate parties. They're outside getting ready before it ever happens. Well, we're having the best time we can ever have on this side. Let's turn to Psalms 24. Thank you to the musicians. Psalms 24. Let's just pick up the reading from verse 1. This will follow through with where we were at a couple of weeks back. But let's... You don't remember that, do you? Well, that's okay. I had to look for it too. (laughs) Psalms 24. We'll read verse 1 right through the end of the chapter. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? I want you just to hold those thoughts in verse 3 and 4 here. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek his face, O Jacob, Selah. Verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. How many remember in the book of Revelations? Jesus was on the door knocking. Somebody had to open their heart. Somebody had to let him in. In a corrupt and deceitful age, Elijah came to what? Restore the hearts of the people, not the thinking, not the minds. That's a part of it, but it starts with the heart. Let our hearts be open this morning. He said, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we so thank you for the reading of the scripture. We thank you for the spirit of God in the worship. We thank you for the spirit of God that was prevalent in the prayers. We thank you for this gathering. Lord, not just this building, not just another move like past ages, but a calling out of the bride, a calling out of a people, Lord. Father, unto yourself. And Father, we ask that you just bring us into your word and into our place, into our time. Lord, illuminate your glory upon us this morning. 
May your glory descend upon us today. Lord, may your blessing be on every individual. Those that couldn't be here, some are away, some are traveling, some may be sick. But Lord, may you be their portion. And Lord, may you be our portion. We are nothing without you. We depend on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may have your seats. We'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll just move right into the Word this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God hath ordained before the world unto our glory. Now God wanted us to be a partaker of His glory. It's not just His glory for Himself, but He wants us to enter into it. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for if they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Now if we just stop on that scripture for a moment, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, there was no beauty in him that should be desired. He didn't show a glory when he came to earth, but his glory will be known not just in his sacrifice, but in the rewards of the sacrifice of which we are partakers. We are not just standing afar off and looking, but we are actually partakers of his glory. Verse 9, but it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. So it, 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 eye hasn't seen it. You, you really can't grasp it. it. It really hasn't entered into your heart. We sing the song, Just Beyond the Veil. There's something beyond the veil that pulls us, that tugs us. There's a Beulah land. There's a reality to this place. It's there. It's real. But it's not known by our flesh realm. It's not really even known by our spirit man. But there's something deeper that pulls us into it. We sing the song, Beautiful Christ. Friends, it's hidden to the world, but we can see it. We can see the beauty of Christ in the character, in the character of God that's displayed through the Scriptures. His character made known in our lives. His character in the people. There's no group of people on the earth today like the bride of Christ. Not because of Him. Not because of us, rather, but because of Him. The book of Acts in the, in the Old Testament was not just the book of Acts of a people, but of what the people did, but it was what the Holy Ghost did in a people. I, I, we were going back. There's another book of Acts rising up. Amen. We're rising up, friends. The world is descending, but we're rising up. We're not at the same place. The world is falling. Oh yeah, people look the same, they dress the same, they act the same, they make shop the same clothes, buy the same food. But I'll tell you what, the image of, of a true man and a true woman has decayed into despicable levels. But I'll say there's an image being restored in the real people of God. By the grace of God, we're them. By the grace of God. That's not just lifting ourselves up. So it says, it has not entered into the heart of man, verse 10, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. 
For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of the man is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. I want to speak on his hidden glory. And I'm going to piggyback that onto the service we did last week, which is the rise of the King of Glory, but I want to speak on an aspect called the hidden glory. Actually, it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago. But when we spoke, we just briefly, we took God has always been God. Now, Brother Brandon would say he was known as Elohim because God is an object of worship. He was not known as God at that time. But all that God has ever been in his being, in his might, in his greatness, has never diminished. It has always been, it always will be. He doesn't need to take no counsel from us. He doesn't need to add anything to it. He's always been God. And his glory has always been. He's an eternal being. So it's, it's not so much that, 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 it's, that he's becoming greater or less or whatever it is. But it's that we, as his subjects, are beginning to tap into his glory. We are beginning to understand him as God in a way as never before. And I would say, if, if, if you've been called by the Lord, if you've been called into what we call the opening of the word, and I, I just say this, this is not a letter. This is a living, breathing book. This is a person. It's a person we commune with, that we have fellowship with. And if you if you've been in a walk with him, if you've ever experienced the glory of God, the presence of God, there's something you can never be the same. Your heart will long for that. Your heart will strive for that. You will want to pursue that. Why? There's no attraction like that attraction. And I would say, in our walk from the infancy, and some of us that have been walking for a while, I'd say the picture of God only gets greater, gets bigger, gets deeper, gets richer, gets sweeter. I found him to be that way. I wish I could express him the way I, I, I have it sometimes. You know, sometimes in my car and sometimes in prayer and sometimes just in different places. Oh, the glories of God. So we, we hardly begin to see it, so we're tapping into it, so we're only beginning to understand. And the Bible, as the entire Bible, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when we read it, the Old Testament is not complete without the New Testament. And as we spoke on Wednesday, we talked about the amplified covenant that God has given. And, and now I, I'm... I'm just drawing from that without going into that subject, but I want to take it that way. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. So we're talking on his hidden glory. Under, under the message, we're acquainted with three pulls. There's a first pull. There's a second pull. And all of those actually set the stage for the third pull. And the third pull, and I can say it this way, According to the prophet, it's not a public show. It's hidden to the world. What the seventh seal is to the bride is the same as the seventh seal to the Jews, and it differs in one, one scenario. Is that what the, the, seventh, sorry, the seventh trumpet is to the Jews, 
is the seventh trumpet will be seen when two witnesses come down. The whole world will see it. They won't understand why all the Jews in one day come to the revelation of what we are coming to. We've already come to. But the seventh seal is a, not a public show. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, now we, we'll just, just take this scripture. Verse 40. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. So celestial bodies are heavenly, the stars, the planets, the, the, the signs in the heavens, and then the bodies terrestrial, which are our bodies. It says the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. So there's a, there's a different glory to each. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. Now just think about this for a moment. God, and as we labored last time we talked, and we talked about Revelations 4, but Brother Branham would say, he says, you know, he made each of the stars different. He made each of the planets different, different characteristics. And, and there was a glory of the sun and there's a glory of the moon. And, and these are differing glories. And, and, and now if you take that right down into our own lives, there's differing glories. You know, every gift is different. You, you don't put, you know, all the prophets in one category. They have different natures, characteristics. Not every teacher is built the same. There's no, no, no prototype that you, you fit into. There's, there are defining characteristics, but each one's uniquely different. And that's why every gift in the body is different. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can, can do what you do for the body. Nobody brings to the table what you bring to the table. And you might, the devil will make you think, well, I really don't do very much. You do a lot more than you realize you do. So he would say this, he has a purpose in your life, each individual. No one else on the face of the earth can take your place. God did that something for you. You're made like that. You was, <laughs> I, I love this terminology. You was did that way for a purpose. <laughs> he just did me this way. So don't complain about anything you see or hear. Okay? He did me this way. I realize there's some things I can do to, to help that cause out. But anyway, God is sovereign in his work. Things different, we different, one from another. Animal life is different. There's a beast of burden. He said like the ho a horse, he has to work. A cow is a sacrifice. The lion and the tiger roams the forest without labor. He made great animals like the elephant. Little bitty fellow like the mouse. Who is there to tell God what to do and how to do it? He does it his own way. He makes mountains. He makes desert. He makes seas. He makes plains. He makes one tree, a hardwood, a palm, and so forth. He makes men different. He gives each one a different place. He makes some burly. He makes some that are more tender. He makes other ones that are that's just more dogmatic in, in different ways. God, and he gives some with wisdom. But they're all part of God's economy. Nobody can take your place. And you shouldn't try and take anyone else's place. You're an individual to God. He has a purpose for you. Now he says, we find they are all, he's a sovereign, we find they're all guard, guarded by the word. Celestial bodies. The stars, Mars and Jupiter, are different. And then he goes on further into now a spiritual realm. There's angels. Some are seraphims. Some are cherubims. Others are angels. And even in the new, in the new world to come, 
The kings of the earth bring their honor unto that city. God is a God of variety. We must serve him in the way that God made us and stay behind the word. I I just trust that we can do it. The world wants to homogenize everybody. They want to include everybody into one bracket. All the religions, you're all the same. You know, all, all the sections, you're all the same. No, we're not. God made us different. We're not that way. Forget all that you hear about all these things. I need to say some things this morning, and I need grace to say them. Because some things are not going to be easy to say. But they're real, they're true, and they're in the message. And you know, we, we sometimes have lived in such a politically correct world that we, we sometimes are scared to say it like we ought to say it. But we need to say it the way God meant it to be. We are not like other churches. We are not like other people. We are not conforming to this world. We are being transformed by the word that we are being washed by daily. Revelations 4. This will tie into where we were last time. Revelations 4. I won't play this scene over again, but we read the whole chapter. It was a scene in heaven. It was Now remember, this was open to John on the Isle of Patmos, so it was opened for a reason. Without a vision, the people perish. So now he said, this was open to them. And I need you to hold these thoughts. I'm going to come back to some of these. And a door was opened. So he begins to see a, a setting of a, of, a, of a throne in heaven and one that sat on the throne that looked like jasper and stone, a rainbow around his head and in his sight like unto an emerald. And there was four and twenty seats around him and there was four and twenty elders clothed in raiment with crowns of gold and out of the throne with lightnings and thunders and voices and lamps of fire burning which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne was a sea of glass. Now I don't know if you've come into anybody's place of authority, any king or anyone like this, but there's no king like this king. There's no glory like this glory. These words can't even properly describe it. And on the throne, the sea of glass, there was in the midst of the throne four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And they were like a lion and a calf and a man and a flying eagle. And they had wings on them and they rested not crying, holy, holy, day and night. And these beasts that were there, they gave glory and honor and thanks that sat on the throne to him that liveth forever. They couldn't contain it. He's worthy of it. And they did all of these things, and the four and twenty elders fell before him and on his throne, and they worshiped that lived forever and ever, casting their crowns before the throne. And this was the verse we stuck in. So verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. So what they were just doing, all of these beings were worshiping a creator. They were worshiping the God that formed and made all things. And we took a little time and went into the vastness of his creation. You know, from the... macro world, the solar system, down to the earth we live, down to the micro world, down to our bodies, which are fearfully and wonderfully made. And all of this is just giving honor to a creator. But they didn't know there was another part to this creator. 
This creator had attributes. He was going to be a savior. He was going to be a healer. He was going to have, he was going to be a husband. And he was going to have a bride. And these things were not even known in Revelations chapter 4. So all the glory and everything that was there was without this hidden glory even being made known. So let's just jump right to Revelations 5 verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now, all this stage sets up for what? This book in his hands. Think about this. What was in that book? What was so important that he was holding that book? What was this scene of glory that was in this book? That he held it in his hand. That it became so identifiable to John. Then in verse 2. And a strong angel proclaimed with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the book? Now just think this book was so important. It was sealed with seals. It, it, it could not just be opened by anyone. It couldn't just fall open. That anybody's eyes could gaze on it. Who's worthy to open this book? And then, and no man in heaven, neither in earth, neither under the earth. Could you imagine being there at that moment? And then, who's worthy? And they're all looking around, waiting for somebody to step up. Moses, you can do it. No, I, I can't. And Elijah, you, you've seen, you've called on fire. You can do it. Paul, no one could do it. Even Brother Branham couldn't do it. This book had something that only could be taken by God himself. By an attribute of hidden glory within God. So no man in heaven, neither on the earth, was able to open the book and look on. And John, knowing the importance of this book, he said, I wept much. Could you imagine having something being given to you? It's there for you, but you just have to have someone take it for you. It's there, you can see it, it's in your grasp, but you can't actually partake of it. No man was found worthy to open the book to read, neither to look thereon. What a, what a scene. Now, Revelation 4 was the scene, but now it's being sort of transposed as it relates to time. In verse 5 to 7, it really deals with the opening of the book. I don't want to focus on that just now because I'm going to come back to that later. But when, when one of the elders said not to weep, said that the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. And everybody's looking for a lion. They're, they're looking for this. And a lamb steps forward. A bruised, bloody lamb. Think about this. And it came, and he came and took the book out of the right hand. So the right hand signifies authority. The throne was something. Now, with all that scene that was there, this one had to be worthy to take this book. Now I want you to take the scene in verse 8. And when he had taken the book... The four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Who'd they fall down before? Now, we, we picture in our mind there's one on the throne, there's, there's this, there's a Lamb, there's something. 
but it's actually all one. These are symbols of different manifestations of one. Who do they fall and worship? The Lamb. Why? That was the Lamb's book of life. From before the foundation of the world, it was the Lamb's book of life. So they fell down now. Here, the same beast that fell down in Revelation chapter 4, now they fall down in chapter 5. And they fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, and having golden vials full of odors. Now think about this. What are these odors? And it says, which are the prayers of the saints. My prayers were in there. Your prayers were in there. All of creation's prayers were in there. Why? They were groaning to get back to where they fell from. Those prayers were not lost, but they were held. They were encapsulated, and they were held, and they were signified in the form of odors. So something from earth was brought forth and kept at that moment. And Brother Adam calls it the most sublime moment in all the Scripture. Psalms 141, verse 2. You don't have to turn to it, Sister Ruth. Just leave this open. I'll read it. Psalms 141, verse 2 says this. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. There's times I've knelt on my knees to pray, and I have felt like my words are just going nowhere. I'm just being honest. And there's times that I have knelt in prayer and I feel like it's, there's nothing, there's, there's a deep calling in prayer and I just don't feel I've connected with the deep yet. And I stay with it and I stay with it and somewhere something happens. Don't just say a prayer, pray a prayer. And don't just be content with a few minutes and do your religious duty. But actually, you connect with something. Friends, that's where the incense comes forward. That's where there's a connection that it's being received. That's where earth is, is there's a high priest making intercession on our confession. Let my prayer be set forth as, as incense, the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Psalms 56, verse 8, don't, you don't have to turn to it, Sister Ruth. Thou tellest my wanderings, and you put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Oh, why, why do you feel a burden when you see the things you see in this earth? If you've been born of the Spirit of God, friends, the Holy Ghost cannot stand it. The Holy Ghost cannot be comfortable with it. The Holy Ghost is sighing and crying for the abominations done in the city. It can't stop it. And it's, what's it crying? It's crying about where it came from and how it's not comfortable in this right now. 
This isn't just religion. You say a prayer, do your dust. I'll tell you what, it's a living, breathing life. Verse 10 in Revelations 5. <coughs> so, rather, verse 9, let's just sing. Sing, sing. They said, and they sung a new song. We don't have to sing it. And it says, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. So who was it? These people that were identified here. Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals, for thou wast slain. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. So not only have we seen redemption, but now here's also a changing of position. Thou hast made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So this is a glory not known by everyone. Because the scripture we read, for if the world and the princes of this world had known it, they would have not crucified the king of glory. If Pilate ever knew who was standing before him, he would not have done what he had done. He would not, he would have listened to his wife that had a dream. If, if that foot washed flunky had known who was before him, he would not have, have just missed out on that opportunity. If we would know who an opportunity we have right now, we would not miss out on it. This life is so brief. Christ is still here. We can still serve him. Let's just finish the chapter, and then I'm going to go on here. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. And this is what they were doing, saying with a loud voice, not whispering, with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And John was not, not a bystander. And every creature that was on heaven, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. And unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. So John said something and the beast said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So here's a hidden glory. Now, I'm going to take the rest of today on this in, different, in a couple of different ways. One way tonight and one way this morning. We touched on it last week on, on worshipping in the fields of redemption. Because it was Ruth in the field that she recognized her redemption. It was, it, was, it was Moses that recognized that what was in him. It was all of the different ones. It was David whose men went and got him the water as unto a king. But David recognized he's a king, not the king, the real king. And David could have taken that water, but he thought so much of the king that made him a king, he poured that offering unto God. Why? He was leaving the glory unto the God that was there. There was men, no doubt, his men didn't understand. What are you doing, David? You have every right. I'll tell you, when, when the glory comes down into an earthly level, it doesn't lift up its head and say, look at me. 
it bows before him. It honors him. Let your life honor him. Let your worship honor him. Let your singing, your preaching, your praying, let it all honor him. Let's not give our glory to another. Let's give it to him. It's all a recognition. He's going to be king of kings, lord of lords. The glory belongs to him. It was David that did that. David did other things, so many wonderful things. But it was Moses when God said, separate yourself. I'll make of you a new nation. And, God tells Mo- and Moses tells God, don't do it. And here's the angel saying, who does he think he is telling God what to do? Not knowing there was a glory of Christ hidden in Moses. It was Abraham who would not accept the burying place for Sarah as what the men gave to him, that they might have strength, but he purchased it. Because he says there's no ties. This is where the resurrection will happen. It was Abraham who would not take of the goods and the spoils from the king of Sodom and rather gave of himself tithes unto God. Why? Recognizing I've got a part in this. Christ is in every verse, always has been, always will be. Genesis chapter 3. Are we doing good this morning? Are you with me? Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. <laughs> so in the garden it was the man and the woman. We know that they came from Genesis 1 to 2 to 3 where they were judged after the fall. And now God says this, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat. So it required a partaking. That's for tonight. Eat and live forever. So Adam would have come to this tree of life, but he never got there before the fall. Adam and Eve should have lived out a thousand years, but they never did. So that's been reserved for the millennium. So just, just let's, and, and if I, I just say, there's been 6,000 years of history. There's 7,000. The 7,000th year is the one that God's giving the bride and him. Stay with that for the moment. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken... So he drove out the man. He placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So we have to recognize Revelations and Genesis are symbolic. And so the tree of life, Brother Adam would tell us, is a person. The tree of knowledge is a person. So it wasn't that you would look see there was a garden and there were some swords. It was placed there. But God would hide himself in such a way that man would not see or know the benefit of who God was, of who the tree of life was, and it would be hidden. 
Because until man, until the debt could be paid, until the penalty of death could be paid, man could not partake of that and live forever. It would defile the glory of God and His program. How could sin enter into a holy God? It would have to take an annihilation of sin. It would have to take a complete uh, doing away of sin before man could come back into that relationship. So man was hidden to this glory of God. So this glory that was there, and I, I've, I've taken this this way before. It says, so he kept the way of the tree of life. So the tree of life had a way about him. Let me just say it that way. He had characteristics. It was hidden. Now, you can say, how was it hidden? Well, it was hidden, in, 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 it was hidden even through the Old Testament. And, and you know, how could, how could a man like David go into the temple without being a priest and eat the showbread? It was typing what was going to be made way for us, God showing his characteristic to bring man into that again. God also showing in different, so many places in the Bible. You know, we could look at places, you know, there was the law, there was the law, there was the law. We always knew that there was a law of a kinsman redeemer. So we'd say, this is the law, this is the law. And, and we would know, yeah, you can have a kinsman. And no doubt that law was fulfilled in many things. But now God, in order to show this law, He allows a story to unfold in the Bible under the book of Ruth. And he takes not just a Jewish woman, but he takes a Gentile woman. What is it? The amplification of the covenant. Not just taking the minuscule, but going and reaching way, way down. Taking Ruth out of heathenism. Taking Ruth out of a, a Gentile area. Taking Ruth and then taking Boaz. The Lord of the harvest. Boaz, who didn't have a wife. Naomi, the whole scene... Friends, if we can see it, it's showing redemption. It's one of the greatest books in the Bible. You take it and read it and study it. I'll come, I'll come to it yet. But, but you take it and you read it and you study it and you watch. Ruth deciding. Ruth serving. All the way up to Ruth resting. You watch if that isn't our lives. You watch if that doesn't play out. And you take Brother Branham even in the message. He'll refer to Boaz in the Bible, or in, in the message, 69 times. 64 of those are prior to the seals. Pointing to something, pointing to something. Then it comes to the seals. What was, hap what was the final part of the book of Ruth? Boaz standing before the elders in the gate. What's the gate? That's where the glory of God was going to be shown. So it shows it, pointing, pointing, pointing. Then he preaches the seals, mentions this kinsman redeemer. It had to be a lamb. It had to be a bloody, bloody lamb. And he only mentions it one or two times after. Why? We've entered into that season. It's not a story anymore. It's a reality now. So the way was hidden. It was hidden to Balaam. He couldn't see that these people that were supposed to be religious, he couldn't see how God, why God didn't curse them. All he could see was religious form. The way was hidden. He failed to see the shout of the king in the camp. 
He failed to see the brass serpent that allowed them to rejoice. And the devil doesn't see. I'll tell you what, all these people rising up with, with, with websites and coming against the message, they fail to see the glory of God that is upon the people of God. And if we're not careful, we'll look at the backside of people. Oh, friends, let's always look at, that's a blood-bought brother, sister of God. Brother Branham would say this. In the Garden of Eden, there was two trees. One was the tree of life, which was Jesus. The other was definitely Satan because of what came forth of the fruit of that tree. So it wasn't that Satan really, he, he, he was a good spin doctor because he used all the word except for one word. And what he did, he took that word and he projected his own character in through the serpent and he just took one word to change the meaning. And I tell you, we, what we are coming to, we are so coming out to death to self. I, I tell you, as a minister, I don't want to project my own meaning. I can only want to say, Lord, only what you tell me. Only what I know of a truth. And if I'm wrong, Lord, I'll say I'm wrong. Fivefold ministry is not infallible. The Word is infallible. Sometimes I say things wrong. Like Rebecca hopped on her horse. Or things like that. And people remind me after I come out of the service. Did you know that you said that Moses built an ark? And I says, oh, my hope you got more of the service than that. He says, how do you know he never built an ark? Maybe it was a memorial to the ark that his mother sent down the Nile. And you don't know that. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe I was inspired and just don't know it yet. <laughs> You know, friends, it's not about what we say, literally, but it's about what projects from our heart. Because there's a, there's a reverence for this book. There's a reverence for this message. I, I, I esteem it. And woe unto me. I, I, I'm going to have to give an account for what I say. But let me, O oh Lord, let my sentence come forth from your presence, David said. So there's a glory that was associated, that was hidden. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2 says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. Now think about that. You, the sisters that are here, that are Christian sisters, you conceal a glory that the world knows nothing about. Your your face, the glow on your face, no matter what you've come through, that cannot be bought. That comes from God. The way you walk, the way you carry yourself, the way you dress, you, you, can, you, can, you can meet the rules, so to speak, but you're only following rules if it's not really in your heart. But I'll say it, there's a glory. And I, I don't mean to point to sisters, it goes to brothers too. There's a way we conduct ourselves. There's, there's something that holds us back from telling a, a, a slightly a joke that's maybe of a dubious nature. There, there's times, you know, just, just the little things that, that the world so has easy, like 
a person who was just sending me a little text message, and they'd, they'd put on these little icons, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and, and I, I started, I sent one or two back, and then I looked at these things. You know, a lot of these things come from worldly movies, from insinuations. I said, I don't want a part of that. I'll stick with the smiley faces. Once in a while, these faces. Once in a while, a picture of somebody freezing or sweating or depending where they are, right? But you know what? There's no rules on that. You won't find that in the message. But it's in here. If the message is in you. So he says, these trees that came forth, the one was Satan that came forth. These trees must have had a relationship to man. They had a part in the sovereign plan and purpose of God. And he says... Now, they were there because they had a purpose. The purpose of God was to share his eternal life with man. So, if, if, we, if we just take it that way. Now, it, it would also say this, and we took this on, on Wednesday. God being a Savior, he had a plan of redemption. It was necessary that he predestined a man that would require salvation in order to give himself reason and purpose of being. So all of our trials, all of our downsittings, all of these things, when God comes in, it's funny how they just disappear. And it's funny how we can give glory to God. You know, the Hebrew children, as they were going into the fire, I don't know God's able to deliver us. I don't know if he will. And even if he doesn't, we're going in. I'll tell you what, they came out with a testimony. Do you smell any smoke? No, I don't smell a thing. Praise God, he was with us. What is it that came out of that? The glory of God. How do we know that he'll rapture us? Because he's helped us in this. He's helped us in that. He watches over his people. We know he'll always be on time. Romans eleven thirty six. 36. In the reading it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. It's all going to be because of him. I'll tell you what, we're going to look back and you're going to remember, like the song said, footprints on the sands of time. You're going to see God was so faithful in every step of our lives. He was there all the time. Romans 16, verse 25. Paul would be speaking to them. He says, now him, to him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel... He didn't say, according to, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He had the same. He was a partaker of the same. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Now, I'm going to have to take this now in a direction. i got about half an hour, so just stay with me. You know, I was looking at the podcasts, and I was looking how long they were. I'm really not that much longer than anybody else. Brother John Andes was longer than I've ever been. Oh, yeah? Check it out. So let, I'm just trying to dispel the reputation that's being made. Brother Bannon would say Satan is a deformer. In, in God's power to transform, he says he deforms, he perverts. Pervert means to be changed over, made something different. Deform is the same way. It's to be made in another way. The still the same seed, but it's deformed. He would say now, I'm going to call it instead of a conformer, a deformer, a perverter, 
a corrupter of the original seed and the original program. Now, like in your group here this morning, you got a vision, but watch for the corrupter. He'll be as sly and slick as he can be. Keep your vision. Keep holding to that. Now, I, I need to make this real, and I kind of struggled with this a little bit, but I need to say some things, and I need your grace, and I want to show you some things. So, Sister Ruthie, just put that PowerPoint on for a moment. And, and I, I want to just say this. Creation since the fall has been under the influence of the deformer, of the perverter. And what we see today, you know, you grow up, you, you never, if, if we would look back 50 years, and we often said this, if we'd look back to what the world and how mankind was 50 years ago and to what it's today, you would see this is the rise of the king of this Eden, the God of this Eden. But I'll say, what's keeping us? Now I need to show this because everyone was born a human being, but what made them the way they are? I'm trying to make a point. I did this once before. I, I'm, I just trust you'll bear with me. Maybe, maybe I don't want it to be too graphic. I held a few pictures back, but I want to just show this. This is the way everybody comes into the world. Some do it by the roadside on the way to the hospital. <laughs> but this is what it is. Innocent. Baby blue, pink, all these things. Makes way for both genders. This is, my, doesn't that look like a menacing creature? Doesn't that look like somebody that could just reach out and bite you? It's biting its own teeth or its own fingers. Doesn't have teeth yet. Might throw up on you. Pardon me for being. <laughs> but let me just say something. Everybody that ever came in the world came this way. You and I came this way. Every murderer came this way. Every liar came this way. Every thief came this way. Hitler came this way. They all came this way. But they were under the influence of sin. Maybe grew up like that. Under a blanket that grandma knit. But look, that doesn't look menacing, does it? Maybe grew up like this. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on one individual here. And you might know who the individual is. I'm not going to try and name them by names. But this was... A person that grew up. That's a childhood picture. There's another one. A child growing up. My, oh, not too bad. Became a singer. Worked for Disney. Disney. Oh, nothing wrong with Disney. You remember Lassie and Old Yeller and all those stories? No, that's not Disney. This is a person. Worked for Disney, sang for Disney. Well-known singer. But got caught into something. In a few years. That was a baby once. That was someone with a gift once. But came under an influence. Same person. What influence? What's influencing you today? 
What are you listening to today? Because it can happen that quickly. Not even 20 years old in that picture. How did that happen? I'll tell you what. In this age, it's the Word or it's against the Word. It's the Holy Ghost or it's not the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost, you're kept. Without the Holy Ghost, even in a church, you can be on this path. I almost shudder to show that. And the world calls that beauty and expression. Pardon me. I don't want to dwell on that too long. Let me just take another. I need to make a point. Another person. Nice baby picture or young person picture. Growing up, nice girl. More pictures. With siblings. Probably begin to recognize who this is. Became well known for some of the clothes and the fashions, which became the standard for a whole generation. The first t-shirts you ever saw that were cut above that was sparked by this person. Not long after that, turned into that. Do you remember when Brother Branham went down in a vision? What he saw then is child's play to what this is. Let me show you, I'm just going to show you a few more, but I'm trying to make a point. These are before and afters. Someone who was in their life, and then after their life, under the influence of drugs, movies, whatever it was, this is what people looked like before and after. It's almost incredible to know how far sin will take somebody. Before, after. Famous movie star. Model. Before, after, with a mugshot because of possession of drugs. Before, after a life on drugs. Sin. Sin. From the Garden of Eden has done this. I'm going to stop there. I had another one. I don't want to show the other one. I think you get the picture. Brother Branham would say in transformation, in, in, let me, well, let's just, let's just pick it in power, in power to transform. We are still in the image of God. Some are so deformed, even as sons of God, they walk contrary to the word and the way that he had provided for us. They let something, the world twists us out of the way, pulls us close to it, and away from the straight, narrow strip that he has planted us in. If you're in a Christian home, God did that for you. You can say, oh, I don't like this. I don't want to be this way. Do you want to be the other way? He says, to be sons and daughters, sin has done this evil thing to the sons and daughters of God. I think it's in the book of Ephesians. I think it talks about fornicators and, and idolaters and such. They will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's still the law. But the next verse said, such were some of you. Why? There was a seed. There was still an image of God. So as much as sin could pervert that image, so could 
the holiness, the glory of God change that image. I feel like showing the devil pictures of us before and today. This is me before, this is me today. I feel like showing him what Brother Marshall was, but he's here today. I feel like, devil, look at this. Look at what God can do. He can do anything. God is in the business of restoration. Power of transformation. He says, we are now on our road back to the original beginning of the creation of God. Back to the Garden of Eden again. Husband and wife without any sin or anything. He wants to transform our minds by the renewing or transform by the renewing of our minds. Now it's one thing for God to save you. God can bring you out. You can be saved. You can be baptized. But the Bible talks about the motions of sin which work in our body. The tendencies that are there. Your brains can be wired to what you had before. How often have I gone many years later down the road and I, and I just turn on the radio and there's a song and all of a sudden I hear the song. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to do that. We used, Whoa. <laughs> Why? It's still there. Even though the inside has been changed, that needs to be washed. Some of it are scars that we bear for life. But we need to be under the influence. If the world under the, if Satan under the influence of evil can produce people like that, what about under the influence of the glory of God? What can God do in our midst? Oh, glory to God. He's changing me. Yes, he's changing me. His likeness and image to be. He's changing me. We had a graduation, a 25-year reunion from high school. I, I got an invite, and I thought, well, maybe I'll go. So 20 or 20, 20 maybe, it was years, I don't know. You know, the image that I had in my mind of some people, you know, <laughs> i, I got to be careful what I say here. You're egging me on, you know. <laughs> The star athlete, slim and trim, steps out. <laughs> the guy who was the geek became a doctor and drives a Mercedes. And we all laughed at him. He's laughing at us. You know, the girl who was the queen and everywhere just noticing her now has four kids and shows it. <laughs> you know, it was amazing because it was like, wow, how did that happen? I went from, th they went from there to there in a snapshot. It's just 20 years, 25 years. How did you get changed to where you are? You were under an influence. I'm under an influence. And if I, and I came in all of a sudden, hey, aren't you at Hammermeister, the guy that used to do this? This is, <laughs> I don't know that guy. You're not him. You get his name. His name tags on you. That guy's dead. <laughs> Sorry. He's gone. We buried him. <laughs> he no longer exists. <laughs> had a couple of friends that came up. They started telling me jokes. I said, you know what? I really don't want to hear it. Go back to the little. And I see them talking, frowning, looking at me. 
Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, praise God. His transforming power. I, I really need to get into this part of it. And, and this is where Brother Branham talks. Back to the Garden of Eden, husband and wife, without any sin or anything. Now, I'm going to read a scripture. This is going to take a, a tra- change in course, and I'll probably carry it into tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 3. This is a scripture we often refer to to allow us to justify our standards for dress and hair and things. And it's part of it, but I want to look at the principle more than the end result here. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man, now just think about that, the head of every man is Christ. I've got a head over me. Thank God he's there. And he says, and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Just think about the principle here. And every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, now he's talking to man, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. And every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For for that is even all one as if she were shaven. So Paul's taking the principle, now he relates it to natural life. In verse 6, for if the woman be not covered, let her be shorn. What's he talking about? Her hair. If you're going to cut it, cut it all off. If you don't want your covering, if you don't want that, cut it all off. And he says, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. We, we can just drop that down for a moment if we will. Let's, let's just go to verse 14. Now, Paul, just to take the same principle, he's talking about hair. Let's just stay on this for a moment. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair? No, it's not just the sisters. It's the men. I'll tell you what. you, You can have your hair cut, but if it's got a sissified spirit attached to it, it can even be clean shaven and just have a little edge to it, a little curl at the end. You know, they talk about the mullets and things and they mock it. It's a spirit. It's a rebellious spirit. I'll tell you what. You think these little things, the Holy Ghost in me wouldn't allow me to part my hair the way I was in the world when I had done it to try to identify the world. And it was hard for me to do it, but I said, I want God to be first in my life. I want my hair to reflect my headship. As a man, I did that. And he says, does not nature even teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory. Listen, a hidden glory. The world thinks, oh, you got that long thing, you got this. It's glorious. It's the glory of God, the man upon her. It's a glorious thing for her hair is given to her for a covering. Now, I'm going to go back to the principles. We'll go back to verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, insomuch he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. 
Now we're talking about a hidden glory. So the woman's glory is not into herself, but it's in union with the man. Now we're talking not just naturally, but spiritually. So brothers, we're included in the feminine part spiritually. Because the man is Christ. Our glory, whatever gift we have, whatever, if you're a minister or a teacher or whatever you've got, that glory is not for yourself, but it's in union with the man, Christ. It's his glory on us. And he says, but the woman is the glory of the man. My wife didn't know it when I came down this morning, and I said, what a glorious creature that I was starting my service already. (laughs) So I told her. All right. I know I put the pressure on some of you brothers now, but whatever you got to do, you got to do. Okay, so (laughs) there we go. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) The other day, I was preaching on Wednesday. And I can say this. Brother Kamaka isn't here today. He went to Manitoba. He says, Brother Ed, when you came to that part in the service, and he says, I was just with you, and you you said, I'm not very smart. I was about to say amen. Amen. And he says, I better not. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. Sometimes things come across the pulpit. It's directed at the husband or the wife. And sometimes it's the wife that says amen. Sometimes it's the man. Sometimes it's in unison. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for... The woman, but the woman for the man. Now, I need you to go with me. Just, I, I need to try and, try and dwell on this just for a little bit. But in the Garden of Eden, just let's take the picture. Maybe turn to Genesis chapter 2 if you don't mind. But the order of creation, just think about this for a minute. There was an ascending order of glory. And, and so in the beginning, God created the heavens, then he created the earth, and then he created botany life, and, and then he created animal life, and the fish, and the seas, and the air. And he created all of these things, but the highest form of creation was man. That was the glory and the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. That was the image of God. Male and female was that image. That was the glory of God. That was the highest form. Genesis chapter 2 is when he formed a man out of the dust of the earth, and it was just the man part. So let's go to verse 18. Genesis 2, verse 18. So here now, if you take this in, 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 in chapter 18, and if you think about how God did all of this, he spoke through the Bible, and, and he'd say in Genesis 1, and God did this, and it was good. And he did this, and it was good. And then he did this, and it was very good. That was when he made man. It was very good. But now God uses, reverses the language a little bit. Because creation's finished. Man is there. And now he says this. And the Lord God said, it is not good. Not good for what? For that a man should be alone. Brothers, you can say amen if you want that. Amen. It's fine. There we go. <laughs> There's other younger brothers that I wouldn't say the same thing. I know they do. That the man should not be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And I think Brother Aaron touched on this. So, so it's, it's really interesting, the scripture, and Brother Aaron went into this path a little bit. So the next picture is, okay, there's going to be a woman come out of somewhere. No, the next thing that happens is all of a sudden, out of the ground comes every beast of the field. Every fowl of the air brought it unto Adam to see what he would call him. And when Adam looked at it, he says, there was two of them, two of this, two of this. And everywhere he'd see, there was male, female, male, female, male, female. And everywhere he looked, 
And then somewhere he came to the realization, two, 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 one. Yeah, one. I had a young brother who said, I don't need to be married. I'm, I'm good. I'm one. I'm like Elohim, self-existing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the fall of that man. Within weeks, he was Twitter-pated. He was like, what happened to Elohim? Well, Elohim moved to be God too, didn't he? <laughs> anyway, so here, all these Adams. Now look at the oneness that was there. Adam was one, but they were, it was in him. The animal life, the beast life, there was a piece of ground here and a piece of ground here. One was male, one was female, and they came to be one, but they were not one in the beginning. So the oneness that Adam had was a different form of oneness even within himself. So now in verse 21, And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So here if you look at this whole thing, God in his ascending order of glory he made man, and now creation, and now it materializes, and here's man. Now man was not complete in himself, but there was a glory of man that could only be expressed in the woman. She was to be a crown to him. She was to be a glory to him. That's what Revelations, oh, sorry, that's what 1 Corinthians 11 tells us. The woman is the glory of the man. I'll tell you, friends, there's nothing more beautiful. But when you see a husband and wife under the headship of God, living in that way, I'll tell you, there's a glory associated with that. There's a oneness. It's typing Christ and the bride. Now, I'm saying some of this naturally, but I'm really referring to spiritually. So Adam was not complete, but he needed a crown. Proverbs 12, verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Okay. I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking, where am I going to find a nice stopping part without leaving you hanging on a negative? Because this is where I needed to get to. A woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness. Now, so on one side... It's a beauty. On the other side, oh, it can be terrible. Now, let, let, me, let me take it this way, because Brother Branham would, would make the statement this way. Now, remember the pictures I showed you. We looked at some women. There was a glory to them in their earlier youth, but it changed into something. Now, Brother Branham would talk about perversion. He'd say, some of these people on the eyes that you can't, in the streets today, you can't tell a man from a woman. He said this in 1965. Where are we at? It's the most horrible thing. I've never seen anything. It's beyond human. Eyes painted, them funny-looking lizard eyes. You saw some of them. Them funny-looking clothes. They don't even look like a human being. Them boys there, hairs combed down. Their sister's rollers in front. It's a complete perversion. Satan is a perverter. God made everything in the Garden of Eden. It was lovely, and Satan came in and perverted it. Satan cannot create nothing. 
He said he's a perverter. A woman, she wants to be pretty. There's something in her. She wants to be feminish. But the way they are in the street, haircut like a man, wearing man's clothes, wearing women's, men wearing women's clothes, haircut like a woman, it's a perversion. Every form of life is perverted. Now he would go, and I, I, I would say, brothers, sisters, we need to not look at what we see with our eyes. We don't need to look at what the news articles tell us, the rulings in the courts tell us, what the fashion magazines tell us, but we need to look at it with the eyes of the eagle understanding. Brother Branham will say some very difficult things. Now I'm going to just take it. He says, in the human race, it's the woman that's pretty, not the man. Now, if you, he would, he would say, look at all of um, the beast life, the animal life. There's the big buck, the male, fine horns, great species. There's the humble doe. There's the big rooster with all his feathers. And then there's the little brown hen. All of these creatures, the male is always the prettiest. Between the sheep and the hogs, the horses, everything, it's always the male that's pretty. And he says, and it's in the birds. So now, here when it comes to the crowning of his creation, it is now, the, the woman is the crown to him. But he says, the woman is pretty today. Now, originally, he says, it's that way, but what was done to deceive her, her designer Satan is working on her in these last days. Please stay with me. This is not against sisters. This is spiritual also. There is nothing that can stoop like her. This is marriage and divorce. She is designed that she can be deceiving. Satan is working on her. He's her designer. He worked on her in the beginning. That's her chief weapon, to throw man to filth, being a pretty woman, Brother, it isn't the bootleg joint that gets the man. It's the pretty woman walking down the street, twisting, half-dressed. That's the deceiver. Satan is her designer. That's the truth. If this gets out on podcast or wherever it does, there'll be somebody who'll say, what kind of a church is that? It's a church of the living God. This is not, this is contrary. I'd say this, these things aren't even preached on the way they ought to be sometimes. Satan is the one that features in beauty. He made the most beautiful of all the angels. Sin is beautiful. Deception by beauty. And he said, the world is so beautiful it can deceive. Where's this part here? Okay. Satan. Okay, I, I need to stop for a moment. Where did I catch? If I can say it this way, and, and Brother Branham would, 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 would go to it here, and I'll, in, in actually the Sumerian church age, the weakness in the woman allowed Satan to seduce her by way of the Spirit, and that brought the woman to a very peculiar position before God in His, in his Word. Now, he's talking about the woman natural for a moment. Stay, stay with me, and, and, and don't, don't give up on me real quick here. She is the type of all things vulgar, foul, and loathsome on one hand. She's a type of that. Revelations 18, what was it? A woman that raised up spiritually and in her was found all the demons, the devils. What was it? Through deception. 
Revelations 18.4, a great woman, spiritually speaking. On one hand, she is called the whore who is drunk with the wine of her fornications. On one hand, she is called Mystery Babylon. On one hand, she is so foul and wicked and lewd, she is summarily cast into the lake of fire as the only place fit for her. Now, it was sin that created all those pictures you saw. But somebody yielded to it. Okay, So sin did that. And the Bible says, such were some of you. Now, maybe we didn't go to those depths. Thank God for that. In the Thyatiring church age, she's a dominating female. Mystery Babylon, a great whore. Jezebel, the false prophetess. A true female is submissive to God. Christ is her head. But he said, this one, she has no, oh, sorry. This one, she destroyed the Bibles and the worthy essays of the godly. She is entirely seduced by the devil until she in turn has become the seducer of others. On one hand. Now, that doesn't sound very good. But I want you to think about it. In the Garden of Eden, there was the glory of God expressed in a woman to the man, in Eve. And Satan, via the serpent, seduced that and stripped her of her glory, which was related to her husband. You know, when Esther, when Esther came before the king and Esther came... And, 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 and the king found such favor with her. He says, listen, whatever you desire, even the half of the kingdom, it's yours. The half of the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean you can take your half and go your way. The half only works when you're connected to the other half. So you have all of that available to you if you're connected to the king. The king of glory. Why? You are his glory. He wants to show his glory through you. So now let me take the other part of this whole thing. Brother Bram says, so on one hand, she's all these things vulgar. You know, and he says, on the other hand, she is the type of all things clean and beautiful and holy, a receptacle of the spirit and the blessings of God. On the other, on one hand, she is the new Jerusalem, the mother. And he says, as the other woman, the foul woman, the only place fit for her was the lake of fire. On this hand, this woman is exalted to heaven, sharing the throne of God as the only place befitting a queen. So, you talk about a glory that's available. Okay, now I, I'm just going to try to summarize and I'll probably pick it up better tonight. Let me just take it this way. In the beginning... In the Garden of Eden, when you go to the original, there was Adam in the image of God. Adam was not God as far as being of the same genetics. He was the God of the earth. He was not deceived. But the Bible says he was in the image of God. The first Adam. The second Adam was God, which was Christ. So the first Adam, he, he sinned by, you know, Eve was deceived, but Adam took her by love. But the second Adam, who was God, he didn't sin. He became sin. So the first Adam, he sinned, and he had the wrath of God on him. The second Adam was Christ. He became sin. 
And when he became sin, he became the lamb that was going to pay the price for all that were in the book. So he, he became that. So the first Adam, let me, let me read how Brother Adam, you can read some of these in spoken word as the original seed or third seal. He said, natural Eve fell in Eden by listening to Satan's reasoning. He said, but Christ's bride, now listen, she fell not in Eden, but in Rome. So Christ came and she fell, but it was a seed that went into the ground. She fell and she fell in by reasoning against God's word. And that's still Satan with his reasoning. I, I, I feel like I need time. I'm going to try and just summarize this this way. This Eve will not fall. Why? Because when he went, her complete identification is in him. This Eve is not a harlot that just put on a new dress. This Eve was in him when he went in the ground, when he paid the price. I never was in the world. I never did it in the first place, but I was in him. I was deceived, the emotions of sin. But when Christ came, when the lamb fully paid the price, I was in him then. I was the virtuous bride of Christ. I really need to minister on this level, and I'll have to pick it up tonight. But I just want you to take it this way. Look at what sin has done to the woman. Musicians come. Look at what sin has done to the woman natural. And Brother Branham says, when you see women on the rampage, that's a type of the spiritual woman, the church in this last day. Oh, friends, there's never a woman as pure as this woman, as the bride of Jesus Christ. Why? Her glory is her husband. Friends, do you don't think that it meant something to Boaz to have Ruth? When Ruth came to him and Boaz says, Oh, blessed be you, my daughter, insomuch that you didn't chase those men or the young men or the rich or the poor, but you did it to me. Ruth was a crowning glory to Boaz. The bride is a crowning glory to Christ. Friends, we are not just a church that's been just, you know, it's got a nice set of standards and we kept the rules. No, we've been washed. We've been birthed. We have been drawn from the loins of God. We have the tokens of our virginity. Oh, it's a whole other message. I, I don't want to get into it, but I, I had to bring a bit of the anti-type and I might have to bring just a bit more. But I'll just say this, we have been drawn, not, not, I'll tell you what, our identification is in him. His glory cannot be expressed in this last day just by being God, but it has to be expressed through his bride. The woman is a glory to the man. Her life, her conduct, and I'm talking spiritually and naturally, is a glory to the man. I'll tell you what, somebody says, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm thankful and I, I've told the story before. I'll tell it again. There was a bunch of brothers that were testifying. Just play something so softly, Sister Angie. I'm winding down. A bunch of brothers that were testifying. They were at a tourist stop. And they were there. And they were talking to somebody, witnessing the message. They had known Brother Branham in the healing revival. And these were a couple of believers. And they were on vacation with their wives. Their wives were sitting in the car. And the brothers were there. They were witnessing. And the, the brothers, they didn't even know that there was such a thing as a message. There's a message? Yeah, there's tapes and there's churches and, and, and God is moving. And 
And they're like, oh man, like, you know, and so as it is sometimes with men, they're a little long, witnessing, talking. The wives were wondering about them. The brothers are standing here. The wives came up. You know, and, and the men they were witnessing to were with their wives also. Proclaimed Christians. Maybe not a standard that we would be accustomed to. These, these sisters came up behind their wives. Long hair. Dresses. And I'll tell you, the brothers didn't have to say another word. They looked and they go, oh, that's the message. Friends, that's the message. The sisters are the glory of our church. They ought to be reverenced and esteemed. I'm glad to have my wife by my side. I'm proud that I can walk somewhere. This is my wife. I'm glad I can be in a church where sisters, not just dress, but reverence and honor and, and want to give themselves. And then spiritually, I'm glad I'm with the people that want Christ above all. That His glory could come and shine upon us. Let's stand together. What are you playing? I worship you, Almighty God. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is why. think of it we've been looking forward to his coming for so long but did you know he's been waiting there's a quote I didn't even share here but he says what Adam and Eve didn't finish in the garden of Eden God will finish in the end time 
there will be a bride that will not fall. There will be a bride that will be to His glory. Before Adam came to his Eve, she was already pregnated. Before the devil could come and impregnate us, the Word has already impregnated us. We are already. We can't help but go out the way of the world. Oh, does that mean you make mistakes? I make mistakes. But I'll tell you what, there's a glory that's rising. Friends, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so grateful when I see the world, and I would say churches, and I'm not, I'm not saying we're better. We, we, we need the grace of God as much as anyone. But there's something that's holding us. There's something that's lifting us. There's something that's causing a sweetness and the glory of God. Oh, I, I, I want to, I, I wish I could show some pictures that were the reverse of what I showed. This was me before. This is me after. I, you know, God has a family album. He actually took a picture of you at your best. Before the foundation of the world. Every once in a while, he looks at it. Oh, there's my family. Oh, my. There's Brother Marshall. Many years ago, he looked like that. But he's coming up to here. Oh, he's just about there. There's Brother Ray. You know, there's, there's all the others that are out there. There, we're coming into that image. We're being transformed. That image that Satan tore down, God's restoring it. We're coming into that. Why? We are His glory. We are His, His righteousness. Not that I, I could say that we have anything in ourselves. It's all the grace of God. Let's sing majesty, majesty. And majesty Worship His majesty Worship His man. 